Welcome to episode 99 of the Plant Cutting Podcast. Today is our winter solstice special, and we have the village witch of Asheville, North Carolina, Byron Ballard, back on the show. In this episode, we cover quite a wide range of discussion topics. Um, We have a great time. We always love speaking with Byron, and I hope that you'll enjoy this conversation too. Okay, let's get to it. All right. Welcome back to the show, Byron Ballard. Thank you for joining us at the Clan Cutting Podcast today. Oh, it is so good to see your happy faces. I miss you. I know. We miss you. We used to run into each other occasionally, and now it's like y'all are farming, and I'm the touring knucklehead, and Mm -hmm. we were all the touring knuckleheads. Great, I know. Well, we'll get a little taste of that this winter when we travel down south to Florida. Yeah, that'd be great to see you. Yeah, it'd be really nice. We definitely haven't been touring as much (laughs) at all, basically. Yeah. Well, no, you can't tour because you can't get past the geese. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, those middle geese. (laughs) You must not leave. Yeah. (laughs) You stay home. You home. Yeah. (laughs) So do you want to uh, tell us a little bit about um, this last season? Since we last talked, we've we've had Byron on the show twice before, episode five and episode 47. Um, and this is episode 99, if you no can believe way. it. No yeah. oh way. I know. <laughs> and I don't think I've heard all of them. I'm going to have to go back through and see what I've missed. Yeah. I generally yeah. really jump in when it's somebody I know and it's like, oh boy, I can have all three of them together. This will be oh, great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. nice. And, and let's just say congratulations on that. Thank oh, you. That's yeah, a huge accomplishment. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's a good good to celebrate the wins, you know? You got to yeah. take that time to soak it in sometimes. Because there, there are plenty of people who um, who jump into this kind of thing, podcasting or blogging or vlogging or whatever, and man, they hit it hard. It's going to be great. And yeah. about nine months later, it's like, uh, I'd like to have a show, but I don't want to talk to anybody about <laughs> anything. Mm-hmm. And then, or they're like me, I blogged literally every day for years. And then one day I just woke up and went, I'm not going to do it today. And then a month later, I was like, oh, yeah, no, I'm back. I wasn't back. Three months later, hi, everybody. Nah. So I think I'm done with blogging. Yeah. Well, you go through phases, right? And sometimes that's, I I think, like, you know, maybe you focus your energy on other things, like writing books and speaking engagements and farming your, (laughs) your land, you know? Did yeah, that so- look monk enough for you? <laughs> <laughs> so you, well, you I, I did that because, and I will announce it on your show first. Oh my gosh. No, my Matreons heard about it last night. Yesterday, I signed the contract with Llewellyn for my eighth book. Oh my gosh. And yeah, and, wow. and I, I wrote the proposal, and I can't tell you what it's about yet. Okay. I wrote the proposal knowing, well, not knowing if I could actually write the book. I mean, oh, it's, it's a yeah. really complicated, hard subject. Yeah. And, and so the contract, they took the proposal in like four days. They went, oh, hell yeah, we want this. And 
here is your contract. And I just sat on it going, mm-hmm. oh my God, can I, can I, can I do this? Okay. So I cheerfully signed the contract yesterday and sent it back. And I still have no idea if I can write the book. <laughs> we believe so in you. Yeah. It's a good challenge. You know, sometimes yeah. you just gotta. I did the same thing this summer. I, I applied to, to be at a, on a um, astrology conference and then they let, they let me in and I was like, oh, oh crap. <laughs> okay, I better get, get, get to work here. <laughs> How did it go? Went great. Yeah, went great. Yeah. I talked about um, 17th century uh, astrological herbalists, uh, astrologers and herbalists. And, yeah. And it was, it was great. And I learned a lot too. We separated, you know, we, right. we have become yeah. so siloed in the modern occult uh, world. It's like yeah. this person does this, this person does that. And like diviners used to divine with whatever was at hand. They mm. weren't specialists. So if they had their cards with them, they used their cards or they could use your tea leaves or they could read what the leaves look like. And it was the same because you did astrology and herbalism together because how else would you know when to harvest? Mm. How yeah. else would you know when to plant when it would be the most potent and efficacious? Mm-hmm. I'm so excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, is a book going to come out of that or a, a, oh. <laughs> a paper? Uh, we'll see. We'll it's see. It'll probably be part of something. Um, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm working on some, some book stuff. It's, it's just, it takes, I feel like I'm all, almost at the level where I can do that, but I'm ju- just need a little more, a little more time, a little more study, but it is a real, the, in the 17th, I mean, that's still isn't really considered the Renaissance, but it is basically still the Renaissance. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, that was the Renaissance. So the Renaissance man was, you know, did lots of different things. Yeah. And but those doctors, they used the the astrology to diagnose too. Yes. And that's that's that was what's really fascinating to me too, especially like how how many ways they used astrology, how many different ways. And and you know, in the 20th century, it's kind of it's just actually even in the early 20th century, we, we had medical astrology, mundane astrology, all these things. But sort of in the 60s, 70s, it's like it was all psychological, you know, and there's not, there, <laughs> forgot about horror, forgot about medical. medical yeah. And yeah. Those, that's, that's what's really interesting to me. How, all the different ways you can apply it. And it leaks over into our big passion, which is growing things. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. then you look at the man of signs and you go, oh, well, I can't plant this right now because the moon is in the feet. That would be crazy <laughs> to plant it now. Yeah, and our ancestors used that religiously, and they would not have dreamed of planting corn in the wrong sign yeah. because it was a waste of time and a waste of land because it wouldn't do well, and they knew that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. That that that's something that also really interests me is how much of that um, Renaissance science of astrology and all these things was re- retained in in the Appalachians. You know, like, yeah. and, and they, and I was reading Phyllis Delight's book. Do you know her? She's, uh-huh, in, yeah. she's fantastic. Uh, Southern um, folk medicine, but uh, she, you know, for, for them, it, they, they talked about the signs as the parts of the body, you know, like mm-hmm. the feet is, is Pisces, but, right. and I, I actually like that better in terms of like Western tropical Zodiac is it because it's not linked The Western tropical Zodiac isn't linked to the actual stars, like the constellation Aries is not linked to the sign Aries anymore. Right. So 
So it makes more sense for it to be the head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love it. I, I, I just find all of that fascinating. And when I was growing up, I didn't know, we had one neighbor who still planted by that. My father was a generation removed from being a farmer. So he, he was only about whether you planted in the light of the moon or the dark of the moon. So he was, mm -hmm. it was a much more simplistic thing. But as I've been doing more herbal work myself and more of this forest farming, um, I think, especially we were talking about ginseng earlier, mm. is that there are, there are plants that are fussy, not only about where they are, but when they are. Yeah. And they need to be planted at a particular sign to do their best. It doesn't mean they won't do well <coughs> if you plant them mm. any other time. But if you want optimum supply, yeah. you need to treat it in an optimum way. Right. Yeah. And so do you plant them in Taurus? The ginseng? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Me too. Do you? Yeah. Taurus. <laughs> Taurus for root crops, right? And then I use the water signs for anything, yeah. else, pretty much. Yeah. But mm -hmm. I, I've been finding that very useful. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I do vary from that because there are times when I walk out, like to hang clothes on the line, and the smell, there's something about the smell in the air. There's just enough moisture in the soil and the soil is releasing that fragrance. It's like this vital fragrance that the, the soil itself exudes. And I'll go, oh, now it's time to put the onions in. Oh, now I need to. And sometimes I will go through my seeds and go, what wants to be planted now? Oh, yeah. So it all sounds very scientific to, to look at the amount of signs and go, yeah. ah, now, now we are in Taurus and this is what, but sometimes for me, it's just this weird intuitive thing of planting and something wants to be planted today. What is it? Yeah. Well. It'll be something absolutely counterintuitive. So the moon will be waxing and I will go carrots. I have to do carrots now. And nobody plants carrots in the light of the moon. That's insane. But I've had really good carrots come from that intuitive hit. Oh, so I don't know what yeah. that is exactly. But it's yeah. nice to be able to say it to you too and you don't go. Mm. No, <laughs> no. It, it, yeah, following the intuition is totally part of being a grower and, you know, farmer herbalist. You know, sometimes you just know when, when the conditions are right. And so you got to follow that instinct. Yeah. I try to leave some space in my day, you know, for the intuition to take over, you know, like I'm a Capricorn, so I like schedule and to-do lists and charts and things and like having a lot of structure. But then I also like to have some non-structured part of my day built into the structure of my day where I can just like follow the whims of whatever nature is telling me to do. You go around and walk outside and you're like, you want to be harvested right now, or you need to be weeded right now, or, you know, and just follow the whims. It just feels so healthy. Where, where's your moon? Do you mind telling me? It's cancer. It rising. Right. Yeah. It's my, yeah, rising sign. Yeah. 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 Wow. It this must be really hard fun. to get you away from home sometimes. I take my home wherever I go. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. 
you know, yeah. like I, I have this little like traveling altar and I just, wherever I go, I'm like, okay, I'm home now. <laughs> and I set up my altar with my tarot cards yeah. and my journal, a little candle and crystal. And, but um, I do, I do like making a home wherever I go. Like when I was traveling full time, like I had the bus and that was my home, you know, and um, it is hard to get me out of the house. Like when it is time to go, like I, it, it's like a vortex and try to get me out of the house. Like if you give me like a day in advance deadline, then I'll be out on time. Like if we, <laughs> if we try to be, be ready to go a day in advance. <laughs> so, yeah. This sounds really healthy though for a Capricorn to set some, some time aside for that. I'm a Pisces, so I kind of walk through the world listening mm. to the tiny voices in my head. And in my <laughs> um, and I have had to train myself over the years to be the list maker. And now I'm really pretty good at that. I have like the long range list and then I have a short range list. And I sometimes will have a right now today, don't forget to do the applesauce list. Mm, yeah. like that. But it's, it is counterintuitive to me because I want to just kind of walk through the world and go, today I feel like writing 5,000 words. I think I'll do that. <laughs> or I go out and hang out the laundry and go, today I'm going to plant the spinach that we will eat in early March. Mm. But I can't, I can't always do that anymore because my life has big boundaries around it, some of it. Yeah. Do I sound so sad when I say that? No. Well, well tell, <laughs> not me. Tell, tell us about your schedule. You, you've yeah. been pretty busy going to a lot of, uh, a lot of festivals and, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and, and I couldn't even tell you how many places I went this year, but I finished up the, um, the Saturday before Thanksgiving was my last, uh, away from home gig. Hmm. And that was not far away. It was in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And it was the, the podcast video weird mountain gals it was our first personal appearance thing oh. so that was interesting and weird and good it was really good the people were wonderful it was a terrific crowd and it felt a little bit like i don't know being on a comedy politics tour like those those uh liberal redneck tours where they're cracking lots of jokes about the region but they're also saying it also here's what you need to do so it felt a little weird that way but that finished it up and it was and I was really tired I don't I don't think I've gotten over the tiredness of just okay I'm home on a Sunday night I've got three days to do laundry and to pack a bag and to get ready to go out on the road on Thursday and I did a lot of that this year, a lot of it, too much. Yeah. Yeah, that that's that was a part of uh, touring for me that was just, it's just, it's so exhausting, you know? Yeah, yeah. And uh, if you don't have enough, like, you know, I'm a cancer son, so my vitality is not necessarily the highest, but decent vitality, but it gets, you know, being on the road and like not having time to take care of yourself you really just get depleted so quickly. Yeah, and, and I'm a person who grew up food insecure. Mm. So for many years when I was touring, 
and and I also have some food stuff. Like I don't eat a lot of carbohydrates. I just mm. don't. It's not healthy for me. And I would go to these places and they would assure me they would have food for me. Mm. And then they would bring out the pasta salad or the rice or the whatever. And and I started, in fact, right now my computer is sitting on my food box that I travel with. So now I travel with food. Mm-hmm. So I bring peanut butter, I bring crackers, I bring little pouches of oatmeal. I bring the stuff that I know that I can eat so that I don't have that kind of underlying feeling of yeah. I'm not I'm not going to get fed or I'm going to have to eat food that isn't good for me. So sometimes you can take you can take on that kind of challenge and it helps a little bit. Um, I always travel with my own pillow mm, because yeah. because I like a small pillow, but also because my pillow smells like me. Right. Mm. So I don't lie down on a hotel pillow and it smells like bleach or yeah, whatever hotel pillows smell like. Yeah. It smells like me. And so I never wash the pillowcase when I'm leaving. I want I want it to be nice yeah. and dirty from my skin oil and all of that so that it smells like me. And that helps, but yeah. I'm a I'm a Pisces double Scorpio. Mm. So when I'm on, I'm on. <laughs> And I can do the things and I can talk to the people and I can laugh and I can do, I can do intensity. I can do all that stuff, but I have to be able to get away Mm -hmm. and to get in my tent and to just not be peopled for a certain amount of time. I, I describe myself as a high functioning introvert. Yeah. I can do it when I can do it, when I have to do it, but I also... If I don't get that time of being alone, and I just remember how it was when you all were at Starwood that first time, when the beautiful butter-colored bus pulled in, (laughs) Isaac came down the steps, um, and there's just no way to get away at a place like Starwood, because even if you go in your tent, somebody will come right to the tent and go, are you in there? I'm coming in, and they just come in. So I found that if I went down in the woods, I was usually okay. But then I had to deal with the mosquitoes. So yeah, Starwood is just, it's a place that I know I will get no rest. Yeah. I will get little real nutrition except for peanut butter and oatmeal. Mm-hmm. I will drink a lot of water because I'm smart. Yeah. But it's exhausting. And, and being a performer, it, it had to be double exhausting. So you had to be up there and you had to do yeah. had to the hills and the rivers. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then because you're 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 giving your energy to the I mean you get get reciprocated back, but it's it's being on stage, the center of attention, everything, it's a lot. Yeah. And and let you know, putting your heart on (laughs) out out there for everybody to (laughs) that's hard. It is hard. It is hard. Um and and I don't know how I was talking to a, a friend of mine in Alabama about this, about the these celebrity witches and celebrity pagans Mm. and i don't know how they do what they do and still tend to a community right we decided that the answer was they don't tend to a community they're celebrity pagans and they may have their small group that they work with but they're not they're not doing community work in the sense that we think of community work they're doing a whole other kind of thing and that's no judgment on the thing that they're doing, but 
but but I can't tend to my local community and my sort of virtual community and write books and tour and farm and tend my family. I, I can't do all those things. Yeah. yeah, I really, I have the same thought about um, some of the like Insta famous herbalists and TikTokers. influencers yeah. and stuff. And I'm like, like, I wonder the same thing. Like, how do they have time to do it? Do it every day when like I'm filling orders and trying to take care of plants and trying to just do, you know, housework and like the the day-to-day things here. I feel like my days are just so filled and I would love to like spread more knowledge and, and I appreciate the folks that, that do focus on that but yeah I feel like it would make me an ineffective community herbalist yes exactly and and it may be that we have to we have to choose between those yeah and that yeah. you you tend well it's, it's the thing I say all the time about grieving globally but working locally mm-hmm. so you yeah. see what the larger question is and does it does it apply to your community and then you work there because we can't we can't all work globally i mean we're not all bill mckibben or Derek jensen or joanna macy you know we're not those people yeah 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 and it's good to have those people too you know we everybody absolutely yeah and also not feel bad that you're you're not like a famous you know on that level because everyone has their own role you know and i think you know astrology is is a a good way to look at it too like with the cancer rising moon and cancer she's more more into that into the local people into the people that she's communicating with one one on one but if like you're a leo rising sun and leo or like leo midheaven sun and leo you know then you're gonna be (laughs) you know you want to be yeah you have the vitality to do that too. You have the resources. You, you're a, a full extrovert. I sometimes wonder if there actually are true extroverts. <laughs> I was like, think more about can, them. <laughs> well, how can you actually be on all the time? How can you? Uh, maybe, maybe people can, but I feel like everybody needs some alone time to recharge. Yeah. How can you not? <laughs> yeah. No, I've known some of those Leos. Oh my God. <laughs> you get a Leo with an Aries rising uh-huh. and moon in what? What's this another super vital sign? Taurus, maybe. Yeah. Vitality, yeah. 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 Those people, ha. Huh. It's tempting to become what the TikTokers like to refer to as an energy vampire with those kind oh, of yeah. It's like you just want to be around them and go. <laughs> Can I get a little of that? <laughs> oh, I feel so much better now. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it took me years. I mean, I'm um I say that I know enough astrology to be dangerous. Yeah. So I'll be the person who's reading your cards for you. And I'll say, ah, oh, so when's your birthday? And they'll tell me, I'll go, ah, oh, interesting. And when is your partner's birthday? Oh, interesting. You must have really great sex. And they'll go, <laughs> well, we do, but how do you know that? And I'll go, well, it's all that nice, yummy Scorpio and a little bit of cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And, you know, that's kind of the extent of my knowledge. So I can say, so Leo, with, I 
don't know, with Aries. And I just think what a Leo with Aries would be like. Oh my God. I yeah. would not want to be around them. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there's but they have great them. hair. Yeah. They have great uh, hair. Yeah. And this is no disrespect to any of our Leos uh, listening. In fact, <laughs> I, I'm a little bit jealous in some ways. Yeah. <laughs> I know that energy. <laughs> Absolutely. My father was a Leo and he uh, was quite the ladies man. And he, he was one of those people that he knew everybody. So uh, anywhere you went with my dad, they'd go, oh, hub, how you doing? And I'd be like, how do you know that guy? And he'd go, oh, <laughs> somewhere. Oh. Yeah. Uh, he was That's the opposite weird. though in the hair department. He didn't have any hair. Yeah. It's like the opposite Leo thing. But yeah, and he, he had a, I mean, until he was drinking, he had a really sunny disposition, got along with people really well, and had tons and tons of energy. Yeah. So yeah. he was a, a truck driver during the day, and then he'd come home and farm at night, because that was the thing he really wanted to do. Cool. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of, you got to have a lot of energy for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, and I, I, I know wonderful Leos, but yeah, yeah, lots of energy. Yeah, for sure. My father's a Leo too. Ah, yeah. And a ladies' man? Yeah, yeah. He is. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he is. He's um, definitely gregarious and he has a lot of knowledge and likes to share his knowledge and he does like magic tricks for kids. He loves kids. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of, uh, you know, having lots of energy and expending it, now we're kind of been getting into the winter season, the season of rest. So do you have, um, do you have the time space for some rest now? I do. And it's, and it's sleep. So I go hard all day long, bam, 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 bam. And at 10 o'clock, I brush and floss my teeth and I wash my face. Mm -hmm. I put on my gym jams and yep. I'm in bed and asleep by 1030 usually oh. no later than 11 up at seven mm -hmm. and I I am lucky especially for a person my age because a lot of older people don't sleep well and mm -hmm. I sleep like a stone it's like ah I get into my position and yep. I sleep a little bit uh, like the hanged man position oh. except I'm kind of on my belly but I have yeah. one leg up and have my arms in a weird position. And that's the way my body likes to sleep. And it's like, I get into that position and I immediately fall asleep. So yes, I'm taking advantage of the dark time and I'm getting sleep. Now I'm not getting rest during the day because right now mm -hmm. there is a pot of chopped up apples on my stove. And as soon as I finish here, I'm turning them on to make more applesauce because I love applesauce. And the, I love to make it with those big Rome delicious apples. Mm. Nobody likes to eat because they're too mealy, but they make great applesauce. And yeah. they're super cheap in the store right now. They're like 98 cents a pound. Oh. So I've been dragging apples in and, and I just go, go, go. Let's do some laundry. Let's do this. Let's do that. Yeah. But yeah, sleeping. How about y'all? Are you getting any rest? Oh, yeah. Well, Not me. Not me. I mean... <laughs> She's getting less than me, I guess. Yeah, because we're, we're getting I, sleep though. I do my um my herbal products 
business as well as you know the farming and podcasting and herbalism stuff and the holiday season right now is kind of the busiest time of year for me I make more money in November and December than like many months of the rest of the year combined and then it kind of drops off after um, the holidays so yeah I've been doing a lot of prep and product making and um, selling at markets and yeah so usually come January is my time to just like unplug and relax so I'm looking forward to that and do you lay in all your supplies really early so you have enough jars and whatever else yeah, relax, yeah. all that stuff mm-hmm. yep I get everything in bulk um and yeah have it all here ready to go so that's good but I don't, we are I, don't envy you. I i did retail for about 10 years and christmas is terrible i know <laughs> yeah it's intense yeah oh i think we are we're, we're kind of sleeping in every day which is oh that's good yeah it's, yeah. it's the dark time is is good for for that but when you say sleeping in does that mean like sleeping till nine or does that yeah. mean sleeping till 7 30 like nine like nine yeah or or nine thirty even well we don't go to bed until midnight so right yeah so yeah like nine 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 thirty that's really, good though. that's some yeah. good sleep are you yeah. good sleeper so i am somewhat yeah, we, had that, we had that full moon in, in gemini uh gemini so uh-huh. uh, the moon was conjunct a retrograde mars yeah that we did not get any sleep <laughs> oh yeah i am very influenced by the full moon like i just know the four days around the full moon I'm going to be waking up or not being able to fall asleep yeah I'm exactly the opposite so interesting I I used to sleep in a room where that I could sleep with a full moon literally shining on my face like (laughs) new moon I can't sleep at the new moon interesting from dark moon until we see a, a distinct sliver in the sky I am like awake I hear every noise. I wonder what. Yeah, so I'm just the opposite. Isn't that weird? Oh, interesting. I, I bet it's because you're Pisces, and you're a little more psychic than us, <laughs> and so well, you're like more open to the like in the dark of the moon. There's more uh, dangerous stuff around, <laughs> maybe. So you're aware. Uh, <laughs> dangerous stuff around that I can't see. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> right. So you're like, I need you my eyes when I open. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we just have like too much energy for the full in the full moon. It's like yeah. can't sleep. You know, there's it's just like <laughs> keeps going. Stuff. Yeah. So so do you get up and do things if you can't sleep, or do you just like talk to each other or listen to music or you know? I'm I mostly um just like think. <laughs> Usually <laughs> I think you are you overthinking anything, Isaac, at all? Overthinking anything? No, no. <laughs> I usually will just not even try to go to bed until like one in the morning, or like I'll get my like fourth wind at like ten o'clock and just start doing tasks or product making or cleaning the house or something manic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah or yeah we do we, we do read though we'll read yeah reading yeah. helps mm-hmm. it's better than watching things on the on the sh- on the screens oh yeah definitely definitely <laughs> that does not help no yeah. yeah 
And, and I live in a fairly urban place. Uh, what I would love is if I could just like take one of those old fashioned lawn chairs that goes flat like this mm. and put it in the backyard and just look up at the sky if I couldn't sleep like on dark moon. But I don't necessarily feel safe doing that here. If oh. I'm down at the little farmhouse, I do feel safe. Yeah. But here, and also we have more wild animals here. Mm. So we have bears, foxes, um, coyotes. I don't worry yeah. about groundhogs. I probably should. They're probably meaner than all the other things I just mentioned. <laughs> Maybe. Um, oh man, groundhogs are bastards. Yeah. <laughs> They're just, and people don't understand that these little fat buggers can climb trees. They can climb fences. I mean, yeah, they're really widely adaptable to urban living. And they can oh. eat all of your food, all of your garden. All, yes. all everything, yeah. And, and they have, they have. Yeah. Not mm -hmm. recently because then we put in the fence that goes deep underground. Well, not deep, a foot underground. Mm -hmm. And we put wobbly fence at the top. So it's not strung tight. Oh. So if they're climbing and they get to that, they fall down. Oh, that's smart. Nice. No, it, but it looks like shitty fencing, but it's to keep their, the bastards out. Yeah, that's effective. It's been, I guess, 10 years ago, I had like perfect romaine. Perfect, perfect. Mm. Begin <laughs> harvesting the next day romaine. And I yeah. go out the next day and it's gone, except for the little stubs. And they'd eaten all this big row of romaine. Oh, and man. I declared war on them and their descendants for <laughs> the last one. And I did all the stuff they tell you to do. I peed, I put hair, I did all that stuff. But it was the physical yes. barrier that was the thing that finally worked. Plus having neighbors that don't know all of that and they just plant stuff in their yards and then the groundhogs eat that and they leave me alone. That's great. Yeah. I'm knocking on wood. Yeah. <laughs> Our dog has, has helped with with that kind of yeah. stuff. He's, he, that's his job. He needs a job because he's a herding dog um, and patrolling at night is one of his favorite things. I well, love that. I mean, we, yeah. we haven't been for the most of the night by like you know, for the, until we go to bed, he's out patrolling. He's out yeah, keeping an eye on everything. Yeah. Oh, I love that. My um, my daughter and my son outlaw just got a dog. They've had him about a little over a year, I guess. And he's another one of those herding dogs. And he, but he doesn't have really a job because they live. You know, they both work and they live in a house. And so he herds them. <laughs> yeah. One is in the bedroom and one is in the kitchen. He'll go to the one that is standing up. Yeah. And, and like, come on, come, come on, get in there. Get over here with this guy. Yeah. And, and that's the reason they got him is because they went to the uh the adoption place and they were looking, oh, he's the adorable dog. And here's another adorable dog. And he he kept working till he got them herded together. And then they were together and they were like, oh, this obviously is our dog. Look, here we yeah. are standing together and he's at our feet looking up at us like, oh, you did really well. Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> That's so cute. I, I wish they, they could, uh, I don't know, get him a part-time job. There are a lot of uh, sheep around there and goats. Yeah. Just, just 
going in the field and moving them around, you know, right. a week. I think it'd be good for him. Yeah, definitely. We, we tried that with Oliver, our dog. He, the Amish uh, neighbor next door asked if he could borrow him to get his sheep in from the field. And we were like, oh yeah, give it a try. That'd be awesome. And he didn't come back to ask for Oliver again after that. I don't think he did a great job. <laughs> well, one time, one time we took care of his sheep while he was, he was gone and not his sheep, his horses, someone else taking care of the sheep. And we brought Oliver with us and he, we, he herded the sheep. He did. And we, he was, it was like magnificent. It was beautiful. It was like, this is what you were born to do. This is your purpose. And he, he realized like, oh my God, they're doing what I want them to do. Yeah. They're moving when I bark at them and it. run. It was, it was so amazing. And and he was hurting them and he herded them away from where they were supposed to be. He like yeah. <laughs> just put them in the totally wrong uh, direction. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> poor Oliver. Yeah. You know, he needed so that extra bit of training. Yeah, right, that's exactly. It. He yeah. didn't get that training from a young age on how to be a sheep herder. He just has the instinct. So but it's amazing how strong those instincts are. Yeah. That's it's pretty pretty cool. I guess mm -hmm. it's epigenetics or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know what that is, but it's it is amazing to watch. And it's mm -hmm. amazing to watch a trained dog yeah. do that. And it's just a series of whistles and clicks and snaps and they go, oh, oh, yeah, here they go. Right. It, yeah, we forget that all domestic animals had a job. Right. Yes. You didn't put them in doggy daycare all day and you didn't, you, they had work to do. They were on, on the farm to do work. Mm -hmm. They weren't, you're just your fur babies. They <laughs> had a job. I remember my daughter was shocked years ago because we put feeder goldfish in our rain barrels every spring because they eat the mosquito larvae. Nice. And she was very excited and she wanted to name the ones. So the ones in this barrel, and I said, don't name the goldfish because there's a working goldfish. Right. And, um, and as it's getting cold, she said, what are the gold, where are the goldfish going to live in the winter? And I went, Goldfish are going to stay in the barrels in the winter. And she said, and they're going to be okay in there, aren't they? And I was like, Prob probably not, honey. Sorry. <laughs> their, their job is to do, and sometimes if we have a mild winter, they get all the way down yeah. and everything falls out and they're fine. Mm -hmm. But even a goldfish can't live in a solid block of ice over the <laughs> winter. And yeah. I kind of explained to her, they're here to do a particular job. And that's what they do. And I, yeah, and I'm 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 not as soft-hearted about all that as maybe I once was because mm -hmm. you, here's your job. Thanks and thanks for doing it. I'm very grateful that they do it. Yeah. But mm -hmm. yeah, so I I love the idea of even of your geese, your crazy geese. I bet they let you know anytime somebody is approaching. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Yes, they're very loud, talkative. Also, if they see you, then they will let you know that they want um, some snacks. Yes. <laughs> very loudly. <laughs> so they make a lot of noise. Do they run towards you? Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, they don't attack us, but they, I think they say hi by going. <sighs> <laughs> kind of like somebody from New York City is like, what's, how you doing, you fucking asshole? You know, <laughs> that's the geese. That's their vibe. <laughs> Well, my great grandmother, who's the person who taught me how to um, 
as we say now, harvest a chicken for the pot. She, her chickens were her best friends and she would go out and she'd have a handful of bread or whatever and she'd chuck, 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 chuck all the chickens and they were all around her looking at her adorably and scratching or whatever and she'd pick out the one that was going to be for, for dinner and she had a little hatchet and she would just pick up, she would walk through and she would just pick up one casually by the neck. Yeah. And she would walk out and they would still be there scratching around and she would walk towards the place where she was going to cut its head off. Mm -hmm. And then she would do this and wring its neck as she was walking. And then we'd get to the stump and she'd put it down on the stump and take the little hatchet and cut its head off. Mm -hmm. Done. Done. Yeah. And, and, but the chickens never, they, they never understood that her walking among them was really a sign of a predator. She right. was not a predator for them because she fed them and she was with them. And right. so I guess that makes her kind of the most dangerous predator, yeah. the unexpected predator. And then suddenly, where's Barbara? Barbara yeah. was here yesterday. <laughs> I know. That smell. Yeah. It's Barbara yeah. frying at a big cast iron pan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess it's, it's a little sad, but that's also not, I mean, that, that's, it's the way humans are, you know, it's like people in these, these days are so disassociated from, you know, the realities of <laughs> life <laughs> and death is a part of life. Right. And we all, yeah, <clears throat> even if you're a vegan, you're, you're killing and eating many things, living beings. Yeah. Well, and, and. AC, especially as an herbalist, I mean, plants have life. Plants yeah. are communicative. Yeah. yeah, they are. I had a great big rosemary plant that's been in the corner of the garden, I don't know how many years, decade anyway. Mm. And she communicates all the time. And all, all the plants, if you listen, are communicating. And yes, those carrots that you pull from the ground and eat, my vegan friends, they they have life. I mean, yeah. it may not be the kind of life you think of as having a face and and making sounds for you, but it's definitely life because life feeds on life. It's it's what nature's all about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And here we have the issue of we're having super development, hyper development, gentrification, and so now we have bears that walk through downtown Asheville. Wow. We, have, we have two different bears in our neighborhood that we think of as our bears. Uh -huh. And and people bitch and complain because, well, the bears get in the trash can. Well, you have to know now that you can't put your trash out until Wednesday morning mm -hmm. because we have that. And we have that because we've taken over so much of their territory. And right. we have deer. And yeah. and. And there are several deer diseases that sh are showing up in the southeast. And it's because we got rid of all the apex predators, which means we have to be the apex predator. Yeah. And so people get squeamish about that. Oh, but how could you shoot a precious little deer? Because, because we have that responsibility now, because we killed mm -hmm. off the wolves and we, and we have killed off coyotes and we've killed off anything that would keep nice. this size of this the herd what it needs to be to be healthy yeah and then also create a lot more um habitat for them because they thrive on that forest edge you know yes. and when there was a lot yes. more contiguous forest you know there was less habitat for them and now that there's 
all the forest is cut up by farms and and suburban houses and every you know so there's a lot more a lot more room for them a lot more space a lot yeah. More but yeah i i've i've took up that responsibility this year i didn't get a deer though i was <laughs> too busy there were, i didn't even see any we didn't have any apples we have this little area that's old oh. apple trees yeah um and last year we had so many apples and the deer would just go right through there um but i didn't even see a single one this this year down there so so no good apples this year not where we are no yeah we we noticed i mean we just lost our last apple tree but we noticed that that it was like alternate years one year would yeah. be super great and we'd do cider and i'd put up a lot of applesauce yeah. and then the next year it would be pretty lean Mm -hmm. well, yeah, I don't know true. if that's a function of maybe older trees that are last less year yeah. last year was an awesome year so it makes sense that this year was not so good and hopefully next year it'll be a great year too yeah because I'm sure the trees have been hybridized so that they do a, a consistent crop well so we have an old oh. an old orchard I think it was probably a cider orchard from the early 20th century so they're probably 100 year old trees wonderful yeah. <laughs> um, and there's, I need to clean it up a little bit. Like there's a lot of uh, ash trees, like young ash trees and cherry trees and so on sticking up through it. I've been working at it a little bit, but um, need to, you know, clean it up more, get rid of Fair. some of its, yeah, prune, get rid of some of the competition with the, the ash trees that are starting to stick above the canopy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that I think that'll help. Plus I'm, I'm planting young apple trees. Most of them are, are, are heirlooms though. Yeah, good. What have you planted? Um, Oxford Black is one that's done really well. That and, is a great cider apple. Okay. Oh, nice. I'm, I'm really excited for it. It is apparently the, the, it's just a really dark apple and the, um, I haven't eaten any yet because I grafted it myself on a, on a, 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 an apple that was growing out of the field, <laughs> like a small apple seedling. Oh, and good for you. Really, really well. Yeah. Um, but it's supposed to have really dark flowers too, like pink, pink oh, flowers. Okay. Yeah. And kind of dark leaves. It, it does. Um, and then I've also, I'm, I'm doing, um, uh, what is it? Cavill Blanc de Hiver. <laughs> it's a winter white uh, Cavill from France. It's a really old from like the 16th century. It has Ooh. a really hobby kind of look to it. Um, and then some other ones. I did graft a newer variety called Gold Rush and it's supposed to be resistant to it's it was bred for resistance yeah it's resistant to rust i think and scab right yeah and uh i think fire blight um yeah, so so I did did that and a couple other ones i'm a uh, maiden blush yeah where do you get the scions so i got some of them from fedco uh oh, yeah and then also i um i'm on one of the the reasons that i i still i still use facebook uh for some things is the groups and there are all these like scion exchange groups so you can Ooh. yeah you can get you can people will I'm reaching for my phone right now <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and there's like pawpaw groups apple groups persimmon groups so that's kind of how i've been doing too you can you could just you know paypal somebody 20 bucks they send you a bunch of uh, scion wood so i've taken classes in grafting Mm -hmm. And it, it looks like it's not hard, but it also, I don't know, I, I haven't tried it yet. So it wasn't hard? Well, so basically you just have to get the green touching the green 
and it wrapped up real good. Um, okay. Then it can grow. And, it, you know, you might have some, I, I've, I've had, I, I'll do like twice as many as I expect, as I want, yeah. you know, just because you'll have some failures. But you, you know, I've been surprised at how many successes I've had. <laughs> so, wow. yeah. There was a woman here in town. I mean, there still is a woman here in town. And she uh, has been grafting real pear scions onto Bradford pears. Yeah, mm. I've done that. that. That's kind of a movement here. Great. Uh, and and Great. the more you graft onto it, and then she's cutting, she's pruning away the Bradford part of the trees and yeah. leaving only the scions to thrive. It's really interesting. That's a great way to do it because the Bradford pears are really abundant and wild and not aggressive. tasty. <laughs> yeah. Aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. They're not as good as our other varieties of pears. So that's a great way to do it. Yeah. That, um, the, those Bradford pears or the calorie pears, um, at about this time of year, uh, you can't actually eat them because they like blet, you know, they rot a little bit. Yeah. They're soft and, and they kind of taste like spiced pear, really? like little, like spiced pear berries. Try it. If, if they're soft, you know, try a okay. little. I'll, I'll um, try it. I'll, I'll trust <laughs> you on that. I mean, I, I, I like, you know, I'm a Sagittarius rising, got Uranus on my ascendant. So, I, you know, I'm a little bit, <laughs> a little bit weird, you know, eccentric. I, I like to try a lot of different stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I'm a person who will, who will try just to, no, I'll try anything. Yeah. Uh, hey. There was a big discussion about dried crickets mm -hmm. uh, somewhere. It was, I think it was on Facebook. And people were like, gross, I would never eat. Ugh. And I was like, man, that is a cheap, crunchy, delicious form of protein. And people were like, have you eaten crickets? And I was like, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I, have I've yeah. Tried I mean, times. like I said, I grew up food insecure. So I'll, I'll eat just about anything. What about cicadas? Have you done cicadas? I haven't. I've never had the opportunity. Have you? I I haven't. I that is one thing I was like, oh, I I could do this, but I, I tried them once. You can fry anything and it's fine. Did, were they like fried in olive oil with a little bit of garlic? Yeah. Um yeah. yeah, spices and yeah, fried in olive and coconut oil and yeah. a little bit of breading. Oh, yeah, I could totally see that. Yeah. I should, I should. There's something about the crunchiness that really works mm. with insects. It's like, mm, yeah, that's how that should be. Yeah. I, th I think it would be good probably air fried too. Mm -hmm. uh, they do kind of remind me of shrimp. Maybe they're like yeah. a, a yeah. land, land shrimp. Mm -hmm. you know? mm. In fact, that's how you could market them as a land shrimp. Yeah. Right. Which is New England land shrimp. New England land shrimp. Well, that's the thing, though, is they're so, uh, you know, it's only every 17 years, or so there's a 17-year one, a 13-year one, so we haven't had any here yet, but in yeah. western Pennsylvania, we've, we had, I, I remember when I was a seven years old, that was the first time I saw them, and they were everywhere. Yeah, everywhere, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah it's it's, it's been a while now, but I, I remember going to, the, to my bank, and they were literally a few inches deep. Ooh. And somebody had come out with a broom to kind of sweep a pathway through them. But yeah. that's been, we're probably due for that in the next couple of years. That's probably been 15 years ago. Hmm. Well, th there's your opportunity. Yeah. Fry <laughs> them up. Yum. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you too about um, some of the solstice 
or Yule time rituals um, that over the years you've, you know, really found enjoyable um, or maybe come back to again and again. So do you want to talk a little bit about solstice times? And, and what your um, your viewers and listeners need to know is that was actually what we were going to talk about today. <laughs> <laughs> but because of who we are, we right. ended up talking about fried cicadas. So, um, yeah, it's food, isn't it? It's just food is the thing. Here is my favorite thing about solstice. Now, I, I grew up in a massively dysfunctional family, as a lot of us did. And, um, and some of my Christmas memories are not very pleasant. So when I got old enough to make my own pleasant memories and was a fully out and in control of my life pagan, mm -hmm. I switched to the winter solstice. And my daughter and I, for many, many years, until she left home, we would get up before the sun on solstice morning and we had rattles and drums and shakers, and we would sing the sun up on solstice morning. Right. That was something that, um, that I haven't been able to do with her in years. And now I just get up before the sun and I go out with a cup of tea and mm -hmm. I sing the sun up solstice yeah. morning. And so, that for me, it's not only a tradition now because we've been doing it for 30 plus years, but it's also that kind of sympathetic magic. Yes, I understand that the sun doesn't go anywhere, that the planet in fact turns and turns away from the sun and tilts on its axis. It does all of that. I understand that's what really happens, mm. but there's something so primeval about sitting in the darkness and singing and the sun and you see everything because we we're in the mountains and we don't see the sunrise. Everything goes from being dark to being dark gray to being grayish blue to then we see the sun hours after it's brightening the sky. Mm -hmm. So there's something about that that connects me so directly to my ancestors. Mm -hmm. And that is a delicious thing. Mm. And then one year and only one year I haven't done it since and but I will do it again because it was very powerful a group of us sat vigil outside for the solstice and we had a fire and we sang songs and we drank delicious drinks and there was one sleeping bag and people took turns when they just got too tired they'd get into the sleeping bag and they'd sleep for maybe an hour, hour and a half, and then they'd get out and somebody would immediately go into the warmth of the sleeping bag because mm -hmm. it was really cold that year. It was a really oh. cold solstice. And, and we did it and we sang and we drummed and somebody came by the road with a shofar and I don't remember if Hanukkah was happening about the same time or not, but this person blew the shofar as we oh. were vigiling up the sun. And so those kind of really simple activities feel so powerful to me because they don't require lots of words or lots of ritual or fancy robes or any of that. It's all about acknowledging that I am this thing, this tiny thing 
on this tiny planet in this enormous universe. And my job, my one job is to do this. Mm. Just like those cicadas, their one job mm. is to come crashing out every 17 years, <laughs> make sure there's gonna be more cicadas and then they die. And that's yeah. their one job. So I, I love that. And it when we were talking about all the things we do, you created these beautiful products and and you and you learn from your neighbors and you teach your neighbors and you tend your community and and you are the Amish taxi driver sometimes and you plant the ginseng. We have all these things and we do the conferences and the festivals and we do all those things, but maybe we just have one job. And to figure out what that one job is, that may be the whole point of our existence. What is my one job? Mm -hmm. um, and so it, it, I guess it keeps me humble. If that yeah. It's like, Absolutely. I'm just gonna sing the song up just this once. I'm not gonna do it at midsummer. And I don't do it at midsummer, though you could. That'd be kind of fun to do. Mm -hmm. I don't do it at midsummer. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's that's my favorite. And and I love having fresh greenery in the house. Mm, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't do that so much anymore because we usually go to my daughter's for the holiday. Mm -hmm. And I hate to waste fresh greenery. And they live in Christmas tree country. So they got all the fresh greenery they can stand. That's How nice. you all, have you all started traditions since you've been there on the land and in the farm? Um, well, we... This year, I, I mean, it's not for solstice, but this year for Samhain, I, I did a, a sleep out um, around a fire with oh, a few yeah. friends and um, we, we did an apple ritual where we cut an apple in half, like the, the mm -hmm. hamburger way, the fat way, so that it revealed the five-pointed star. And then we put the seeds in our mouth and made intentions for the year and then planted the seeds in soil. Um, and planted our intentions and that was a powerful ritual but just sitting outside like you like you said you know welcoming the sun in and singing the sun in I sort of did the same thing with the fire and just sitting by the, the fire and honoring that element and that's something that I really love to do um you know is just tend to that that fire so I would yeah. be curious I would love to try that this year um welcoming in the sun yeah singing, singing the sun and i really like that idea well i was doing that kind of with the hunting right you know you got to wake up mm -hmm. before before dawn and before the sun starts before dawn before before dawn yeah. <laughs> yeah. um and just because i'm not necessarily a morning person <laughs> uh so i don't do this very often mm -hmm. um but yeah watching the sun Start, like the 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 light emerge uh is really powerful mm -hmm. like the world come but the the world is also alive at night you know I'm, i remember walking out to the to the woods and seeing jupiter and mars and the moon moving between them you know it's like wow you know <laughs> and i love the forest in winter yeah. i love yeah. the woods in winter because i love to be able to see the bodies of trees yeah. Once the understory has all died down yeah. and all the leaves are rustling around and whatever, 
I feel like I can, I can really see the, the bodies of the trees. And I love that. And the land. You can see the yeah. body of the land better too. Mm-hmm. It's more, especially before the snow hits, you know? Like we, we're just now, the snow's coming right now, you know? So now this is like really winter. We're in winter now. Uh, yeah. But th- that period between mm-hmm. Samhain and, and, uh, and the solstice, when, when the leaves are off the trees, um, and the, the the greenery has died down, and you really get to see see the the land. <laughs> it, it's yeah. it is really cool. I'm in love with the land. Yes. Ah, yeah. And all the thing that all the things that spring from it, but mm. for me, it's the soil, mm, mm. the literal land itself, and the and the stones in it, and the stones underneath. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just yeah. I'm in love, and it's. I want to know everything about it and I want to and I get sad when people mistreat it and yeah, absolutely. all that stuff. Yeah. Do, you, do you two have my most recent book, The Seasons of a Magical Life? Oh yes we do. <laughs> okay because I was going to send that to you because I talk about the day starting at sunset. Right. And yeah. since, I've, since I've adopted that, it really, it's changed a lot for me because I start my day by basically going to bed and going to sleep. Yeah. And then I wake up, ah, it's midday. It's wonderful. And it, it really has changed the way my world works. Hmm. It's really funny. Where did you uh, come up with that or come across that idea? Well, there's an, the whole Irish thing of the, the holy day starts at sundown the night yep. before which is also a Jewish thing you know the day starts for Jews at sundown so I think it's an ancient way of looking at it that the day begins in this in the darkest part like the year for me begins at the darkest part darkest part right um, and that, we that still have sense. that you basically I mean January 1st is a little bit past but it's like yeah. midnight <laughs> kind of. yeah yeah exactly but uh, I agree that time between Samhain and the winter solstice, which I, I've started calling the darkening. I used to, call, mm. well, I call from summer solstice to winter solstice, the time of long dying. Isn't that cheerful? <laughs> long dying. But the darkening, that time when there's just no question, these nights are longer and longer and longer when it's, you know, you're coming home from work. A lot of people coming home from work about 530. It's dark. Yeah. Yeah, in a lot of places it's dark. And of course, in the far north, it's dark even before that. Yeah, it's very sad for me. <laughs> I like but changing the changing your mindset, though, of having your day begin at, you know, sundown, really, it, it does brighten up the outlook yeah. in a way. Yeah. Well, and, and what it says to you is an important part of your day is you resting. Yes. You know, sleeping and healing. That's important. That's yeah. not the thing you do because you've exhausted yourself all day long yes. doing all the things you have to do. And we are fortunate. The three of us are fortunate because we get to choose so much of what we do. Yeah. We're not working in a steel mill. We're not working in a cotton mill. We're yeah. working land. And, and I know you all do other things too, but we're fortunate that way. But there are people who, you know, they get up and they go to the gym and then they do a nine hour day in some kind of toxic environment and then they come home and they do all whatever housework and 10 children and 10 and do all that stuff yeah 
and they really do drop into bed exhausted and and far too people take the time to really tend to themselves and frankly if you if you're not healthy you can't really be there for other people in the way that you might want to be it's true yeah you have to have that rest and digest time which is something that I really value about winter in general. It's like everything outside has gone to, to bed. And so my farming tasks are, that's one less thing that I have to do. And then in the winter that allows space for the other things that I like to do, like crafts and weaving and or crocheting and like all of these um, textile arts that I actually kind of save for the winter. Like I, I tend to not do the their crocheting in the summertime. It's like I I just sort of save it for the winter so that I can, you know, savor that craft. Yeah. It, spinning is that for me because I love to do hand spinning. Oh. But I don't like to do it in the summer because you got that roving up your arm yeah. and then you're, you're doing this with the sticky little hairs of the wool. Oh. And I, I rather do that in the winter when it's cold. Mm -hmm. And also because it's so active that it kind of warms you up a little bit. I'm spinning now, I'm doing my spinning, which I need to do. I haven't started my spinning yet. I'll do that in January and February. Nice. I've been doing a lot of knitting and uh -huh. I'm an unambitious knitter. I knit scarves, Yeah. lots, lots of scarves. Love and that. A friend of mine's, uh, a friend of a friend of mine uh, got an early onset dementia and she okay. was somebody who did a lot of knitting and collected up a lot of really beautiful high-end wool. Mm. And so my friend was tasked with, with giving that wool away to people who would use it. So mm. I ended up with two enormous boxes of wool that I never would have been able to afford. Wow. I mean, lovely llama, alpaca, wow. Shetland, lovely, lovely wool. So, awesome. so when we get off here, I'm going to be wanting your address. So when the, the knitting gets going. Well, maybe I'll have it done by the time you get in January and I'll just hand it over to you. Oh, yeah. Awesome. yeah. <laughs> I actually um, recently inherited a loom from my great aunt. And um, no, I can maybe pull it over. But yeah, actually maybe we can, oh, you can see it over my shoulder. Oh, it's big. It's big, yeah, it's not set up. Wow. Um, but that's something that I want to do. My friends and I want to have like a Weaver's Wednesday in the winter and get together and set up the loom and try, try it out and maybe do some crocheting and, um, we're actually going to have a wreath making get together this week to make some winter wreaths, which is a weaving kind of thing in itself. Yes, it is. Yes, yeah. it is. And I've been doing these full moon, dark moon rituals online now for well through covid for a couple of years and we talk about the concept of weaving community mm, that we're weaving that. this basket that holds all of our community and yet it's flexible enough because that's what weaving is it's flexible it's strong but flexible that it will hold all of what our community is and uh, i think the concept of weaving is super important right now mm. um, whether it's literal weaving with a loom or with a, even with those funny little potholder looms. Did you have oh, yeah. that when you were a kid? Totally. The loop looms. Even if it's those, it's, 
it's an important thing to think about because we're taking disparate things and we're figuring out how they can not only connect but they lock together in a way that is strong yeah 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 there seems to be so much of the opposite happening um, yes and it's important to <laughs> to work yeah. on that right now yeah and especially yeah in community yeah like the the weaving wednesdays is you know a community that's going to be forming like of you know us gals getting together and you know as you're weaving you're processing your own life and your emotions and you're building community that you can lean onto yes um, yeah so that's important it's a great way to do magic too <laughs> well I, I was just remembering 20 years ago maybe maybe less the transition movement really got a foothold and there was a group transition Asheville there were groups everywhere but transition Asheville became this we came to a parish hall of a very liberal Christian church and we just talked and talked and talked mm. and then we broke into committees and then the committees would meet to talk and talk and talk and I finally said for me if we will come together for a canning evening so that we can talk while we're prepping and canning yeah. or a, a, a weaving a fiber arts thing or work in your garden or but I can't sit and talk about climate change and our impending doom with a bunch of people who smell good and have on expensive clothes I can't do that I have to be doing what it is we should be doing and not just talking about doing and no, that's kind of been my mantra now for two decades is that we got to stop talking about doing and just do it while we're doing it well, you know, if you mm -hmm. if, what I, the way I see it with the expensive clothes and the so on, it's it's if you're talking about it, then you don't have to actually look at your own life and what you're doing, and how you're con contributing to it, and what you could do to make things better. <laughs> no, exactly. exactly. You can just talk about it. You could yeah. post on social media about it. You can blame and, somebody and you else. Can cry. It. You can be sad. Oh, this is terrible. But what I'm noticing now in like the Uber culture are people going, oh yeah, climate change, it's a real thing. This is how we're gonna make sure our kids don't get too many toxins, blah, 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 blah. So instead of going straight to the problem, we're already trying to find our little micro solutions to keep us safe without thinking about the starving children in Somalia. So we can think about it and go, wah, 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 I'm going to write a check about that wah, 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 but, but it doesn't touch us. And we're going to make sure we insulate our family so it doesn't touch us. Sooner or later, it's going to touch you. Yes. Sooner or later, it's going to take us all out. Yeah. But what power do we have in the, in the Uber culture? We have no power there. Right. So we have to relocalize all of it, all of it. Mm. Um, and that's, that's hard. I mean, you all are doing the work right now, but you're also doing the work that supports you doing the work. So like me, you are one step away from actually doing the work because you still have to pay the electric bill yeah. and still have to pay your taxes and still that hard currency. You got to get that from somewhere. Yep. Right. <clears throat> yep. 
they're still dependent on on that hard currency to survive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's not easy. No. And I I don't also like I see why people like to just talk about it because actually doing something about it can be it's very it's like a minefield it's like how do you how do you actually do something about it yeah. but then there, there are ways of of reducing your energy consumption um and there are other things that you, there are things you can do yeah well every, about, about every other month i get i guess we get a statement from our electric company which is now duke power so it's one of the big super toxic terrible terrible people and it will have, here is the wattage used by the average home, and it's this line here. And then it'll below, it'll say, and this is the line of people who are really efficient. Mm -hmm. And the line below that is our line. Nice. So nice. we, I mean, we leave the lights off all the time. We do all that stuff we learned to do in the 70s. Yeah. But, but we're obviously we're not the average so there are still people around us that are using tons and tons of energy mm -hmm. right and i and and that's not to say we're we're yay good for us it's that it can be done it can be done but but a lot of people buy into the american mythology of oh but but I can't, I mean, how do you even do that without a clothes dryer? Oh, how do you do, you, you hang your clothes up? What do you do in the winter? Mm -hmm. Well, I keep my house in the winter, so I hang my clothes in the house. It's yeah. options. But I yeah. think for a lot of people, it is so daunting to think about. I go from my 3,000 square foot home where I leave the lights on all the time and I have brand new carpet that is off-gassing toxins. I know. I, paint on the walls it's doing the same thing yeah. and I import all my I get all my shit from Amazon so I'm paying to have this stuff shipped in rather than going oh so I need socks where locally can I get socks because mm -hmm. y'all are in Amish country so there's going to be plenty of places to get some decent socks I'm yeah. guessing and a good hat yeah <laughs> mm-hmm yeah, there's there's the whole Amish, uh, like uh, I call it the Amish Highway, and it's like a country road. But there's like the bridal shop for your garden gear and horses bridles, and the sewing seamstress shop where you can get your socks and hats and fabric, and you know high quality scissors and all that. There's a grocery store for bulk foods. So yeah, yeah they they have it all figured out they know, they know how to do it because that's the way they've chosen to live yeah right. and that's right. the thing about all of us is that we can choose to live that way yeah we, yeah. we can choose to live in I mean, we don't have to necessarily live like the amish but we can live more like them yeah. than like somebody with a 300 or, or three thousand square foot house that uses um air conditioning to heat it to, to cool it and it like there are ways to also to build your house. I mean, also this does take a lot of resources to build a house in the right way, mm -hmm. oriented the right way, use the right materials. Um, but there are, yeah, I don't know. I, I just remember, well, I don't want to tell that story. <laughs> you know, seeing somebody with like, with like a, a, a solarium connected to the house on the north side where there's no uh, wall between the house and the solarium in the winter, they're just, 
like all the heat is just going out all of it they're spending spending thousands of dollars (laughs) on oil and heat and and if they had just talked to somebody who knew about it and had built that solarium on the south side of the house so that it's a solar gain then they could on a really sunny day in the winter they could open up the door from that room and it would heat part of their house but we lost the know-how for that right. and people who do it that way you know the dominant culture goes oh what a freak show what do you mean you're siding your house so that you have these things facing south what i mean what does it even matter because i'm yeah. just going to flip on the light switch and it's all going to be fine well right. it's not fine it's not fine well yeah and and i also it's it's hard for people to see outside of their experience too and like if you're raised that way and you don't know you that know, you can just dry your clothes on a line uh where that's gross you know but uh, the like we we did know a lot of this stuff in the 70s but like i wasn't i wasn't even alive in the 70s no but it's also not like it's ancient knowledge. It's from the 70s. Right. 50 yeah, years it's old. still around. It, and there are all those making books from the 70s that show you how to show you how to do it, all those uh, appropriate tech books. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's yeah. kind of about remembering yeah. skills. Well, yeah. yeah. And when you're used to just like used to having cheap energy and, and a reliable energy, uh, then you don't even realize it. But like I, I know I'm I'm like people in Europe right now. A lot of them are having to to deal with like not having reliable cheap energy. Like that's gonna that's gonna be a wake up call. I mean, people in California with like the rolling blackouts, Texas, like it's better if you you know think about that in advance and prepare for that. Uh, but but preparing for that doesn't make you like a a prepper with you know boxes and boxes of ammo and you know it's like oh if you if you think about those things and you're just a crazy you know right wing <laughs> right oh. it's so easy oh, to it's lump, lump all the nut jobs together yeah and mm-hmm. it, and it's a different thing so so if if you were prepping if you if we were prepping which we are right then, yeah. then we wouldn't lay in a supply of ammo we'd lay in a supply of salt Mm. Salt. Yeah. We lay in a supply of Epsom salts. Yeah. We lay in a supply of baking soda. Right. Yeah. We would look at the things that are most useful in our world and that are that we can't grow. Mm-hmm. We would lay in those supplies. Seeds. Because that's what mm-hmm. you're going to need. Yeah. I mean, and it, it makes sense to have have some ammo handy and know how to use a gun so you can shoot some of that those deer and feed yourself that way. But, and groundhogs, um, groundhogs, and groundhogs are big, oh. easy to kill, and a lot of meat on them. Yeah, we were just in uh, Isaac's family, Isaac's family in West Virginia. West Virginia, yeah. and his grandma was telling me about how she grew up just with the food that they they could grow, and groundhogs and squirrels and rabbits, and occasionally the neighbors would give them some beef, but that was her whole yeah. sustenance, you know, yeah. her her life. But but that's also the important thing is is laying up connections with your neighbors and the your local community yes because that's really i mean that's and that's one of the things that the amish have i mean they have their own community but they yeah. have those strong ties and uh you know help with with because because you can't do it alone and you can't specialize i mean you have to specialize in a certain way 
Yeah. Uh, you can only do so many things. You can only be good at so many things and you're never going to be able to do, be good at everything. And I've, tr I've tried and you just can't, <laughs> yeah. can't do it. So you've got to have a network of people who uh, can do other things that you can't do mm -hmm. and that live near you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That live near enough to you that you can walk there if you have to walk there. Yes. Yeah. Or take a horse and buggy there. if you have. To. And I know that sounds like crazy doomsday prepper stuff, but you, we need to know our neighbors. We need yeah. to know our neighbors. You don't have to like them. You don't have to agree with them, but you should know them. Yes. Yeah. And especially if you live in an urban area where you can't be self-sufficient, you don't have, well, what was that book from the eighties? One acre and self-sufficiency, something like that, where you could take an acre of land and you could grow enough food on it for four people for a whole year. <laughs> yeah, you can do that. But you know what you have to be doing all the time? Tending. Right. Yeah. planting tending harvesting preserving that's what you got to be doing all the time for that to work exactly yeah which means I, you can't be having a an out an outside job because yeah. you won't have time to do everything that has to be done right and that, that's what we're kind of like trying to figure out now because because like it does take a lot of work to to grow food to grow the the herbs for the products i mean that's that's one of the reasons that i like the, the permaculture model of a highly forageable area. And that's the way I see permaculture forest gardens as a highly forageable area. So I'm getting that set up um, and it's a lot less uh, time consuming than mm -hmm. intensive vegetable gardening. But of course, with intensive vegetable, vegetable gardening, you get a lot more productivity out of a smaller amount of space. But yeah, I mean, that's also why you have to have like multiple jobs. <laughs> And why I'm trying to like get the astrology thing going on, um, right. because that's something I can do when I'm 80. Uh, I don't know if I can necessarily double dig in carrot beds when I'm 80. Maybe. <laughs> I hope so. Oh, you'll be able to. I know you can. But by the time you're 80, you won't have to double dig them because you will have been tending them yeah. for decades. I mean, I've got places in my garden that I literally, when it is... Uh, when it is a sort of moist time, I can punch my fist into that bed to my elbow. Wow. I've been spending it for decades. <laughs> uh, now we have voles. Have you had to deal with voles yet? Well, we've got cats. So they're uh, dealing see, with voles. That's, I think that's going to be the answer is that I'm going to have to get cats again, but I don't want to have cats when I'm not at home. Right. Because it's yeah. very unfair. Yeah. The, the cats are pretty happy to have you leave them alone most of the time yeah if you leave them with some yeah. food they can they can do a couple if they're inside outside cats yeah um with the cat door they can a, a couple days is fine for them yeah. yeah but maybe not like a month <laughs> no. no i think they'd go feral in a month yeah. but yeah no, that's a really good point if i had or like a like a what are those like a jack like a terrier yeah Terrier. Terrier yeah. would be good. Would just like dig down and be like, ah, I've got you, you bastard. Yeah. So yeah. So the again, we're back to the working animals, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. Ollie's actually killed a dozen or more bulls that I've seen. So I know that he's a good little rodent hunter himself. But he, he's nothing compared to the cats. No, the cats are amazing. You have to like most of the time that I've seen him kill the bulls, there's it's been like a um plywood on the like rotting plywood on the ground, lift it up. He 
and you have to point out the vole to him, and then he goes and gets it. <laughs> but the cats, they kill a vole every day yeah. uh, on their own, and then they help feed themselves, <laughs> which is was good, you know, because mm-hmm. cat food. <laughs> it's very, and it's the kind of food that they love. That's good right. for them. Yeah, right, because they're getting all the bones, <laughs> all the connective tissue, the organ meats, yeah, even the hair. They eat the the hide. Mm-hmm. They eat the whole thing. Yeah. And I'm sure all that is very necessary for their optimal uh, diet. You know. Yeah. Diet. Yeah, absolutely. So what you're saying is, I need a cat. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, so how how much longer? You you said you only have another year or two. I'm gonna be of... another another solid year. I I was. Uh, concluding my schedule for next year last night and I'm waiting on one date but next year is booked already I won't I won't do anything else because I'm spending two weeks in Scotland in March really yeah and and I'm going with um my friend who was the editor of three of my books and so I'm gonna do some book stuff while I'm there Mm -hmm. but we're both we're just gonna go hang out in Edinburgh and visit friends in Glasgow and Dundee and Kirkcaldy and just not be in this country and see what that feels like for a little while. That's mm-hmm. so fun. Are you, are you doing some, uh, any research? Um, I'll do a little bit. I want to, I want to go to Sterling Castle, which was a real hotbed of the border reaver culture. And that's the thing I'm most interested in. But I also, we also have plans to see Rosslyn chapel do you know about that no it's it's this uh it was a private chapel that has these amazing wood and stone carvings in it so i want to see that and if i can and the weather is not terrible i'm going to take the train to aberdeen and then take the bus up to scarabray because i would like to see that uh neolithic i think it's neolithic village there i'd like to see that Oh, that's so special. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited. I've not been back to Scotland in six years. So mm-hmm. it'll be seven years by the time I go back. And mm-hmm. I used to go every like two or three years to do research. So I'm glad to be going back. You know, COVID put the kibosh on so much. Yeah. And then it was just, it was impossible to fly for a little while. Yeah. And it's still terrible to fly. Yeah. But I'm yeah. aware that I speak from a privileged position. Because I can afford to fly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you well, all are going to where it's sunny and warm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Doing a little road trip to Florida this year, going all the way to Key West. Yeah, we've Oh, really, nice. Uh, we're going to see if we can. Um, we've got got a little truck with that gets good gas mileage and has a bed, so we can camp out there if we need to. Mm-hmm. And we've got lots of friends all the way down and all the way up, so we're going to do our rounds. Mm-hmm. and try to get some good sunlight you know it's really important to get the sunlight we've been taking our vitamin d but i don't know it's different yeah, yeah. get the real yeah. good sunshine well and you'll talk to lots of creative good thinkers which will give you new ideas and inspire yeah. you and you'll play yeah. some music and yeah and, bit. you know you it's good for your soul and your body mm-hmm. yeah well, I, I'm also, I'm not going to be booking very many like shows, if any, uh, which is the first time that I've, in a long time that I've actually traveled without touring, which is totally different. Because when you're touring, you know, you've got a show 
tonight and you've got a show tomorrow night uh five hours away you've got you've got, got a, if you're <laughs> lucky it's for, only five hours away right and then you've got the show the next night after that and then also the night after that and each of those is <laughs> yeah three out you know it's it's just a lot different pace and uh hopefully it'll be more uh manageable for my vitality and it actually help uh improve my vitality mm -hmm. by by being in the sunlight and eating fresh citrus and that's what i'm excited about <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 oh yeah that sounds it sounds so good so you'll play music with friends you'll play music for the joy of playing music yeah which I'm, is how we all should enjoy the arts that we enjoy yeah yeah he needs that he he has sort of lost that spark of joy when it became just too much of work unfortunately yeah yeah even when you're <clears throat> playing your own songs if you play the same songs every night they get um they get they get stale. tough they get stale they get you know yeah. you don't want to do it anymore and then you're like huh why am you know it's yeah. it's yeah but there's always other things to you know I'm, I'm getting very very interested in astrology I've, I've kind of been for the last couple of years now but there's just so much to learn and and do in that in that department too so and i think it's good to have to shift focus mm -hmm. absolutely i've been playing around with um magical oils mm. made with local products here nice. and, and it's been fun because i'll see something that's everywhere like black walnuts black walnuts yeah. are everywhere and i think okay what what would black walnuts do so i lay down a little reused reused jar full of uh, of some kind of oil and black walnut hulls and I leave it down for a moon cycle and then I take it out and people will go so what does it do and I'll go I I don't know yet I'm gonna try it on a candle first thing I'll put it on the palms of my hands and see what it does and and the point of that is to use the stuff that's around me yeah and to go yeah. this is here for a reason what is that reason but immediately if I tell somebody I I grow a lot of um, uh, of a oh I can't think what it's called right now but a, a particular kind of plant and oh well I'll use woad as an example so I grow woad culturally because I'm of Irish and Pictish and Scottish extraction I think uh, and then I thought well what would happen if I laid down laid that down as an oil and as soon as I do that people are like well, so can I buy some? Ah, uh, yeah. Would you give me some? What I buy? Can I buy some? And it's like ugh, that's not the point. The point right. is for you to look around and go. My yard is full of plantain. Yeah. Ugh, what does plantain do? I mean, in the case of plantain, we know what it does. Mm -hmm. So it's easy enough to eat it, make a salve with it, make an oil with it, whatever. But. I just want people to get curious about the stuff that's around them yeah. and to find yeah. a way to use that stuff. And it's it's not to make it a product. Like your music is your music because that's how you express part of your life. Right. And you put five herbs together that have never been put to, together before. And you go, you know what this is good for? This is good for bruises. Mm -hmm. And you know that because you know all of those herbs. and. And yes, in your case, you do create a product with that, but sometimes you just do it for the sheer joy 
of looking at your fellow creature and yeah. thinking, what can we do together? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is what we do together. This is what you and your guitar do. This is mm-hmm. what you and those herbs do. This is what I and my soil do. Mm-hmm. This is a thing we do together that's symbiotic. Yeah. It's so important. It's so important. Yeah. Yeah. A creative partnership with the world around us and nature. Yeah. I, I, I just really like that idea. Um, and I think more people should do that. <laughs> we should do that more too. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and then to you love too. what you love and to be able to do that without the pressure of producing a product. Yeah. Right. Well, that's also that, like, you know, trying to, you got to pay the electric bill, you got to pay the taxes. Yeah. It's, it's, a, yeah. it's a tight, tight rope. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, so for me, I would, I, well, so I, I like the, the idea of, of testing, of making the thing and testing and seeing what it actually does. Because like with black walnut, I could think, you know, it's anti-parasitic. So is the oil going to be like protective? Is it going to be like removes, removes, uh, astral parasites or that that Mm -hmm. kind of thing like but um to actually see how you feel when you use it um and to 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 see what the effects are that i think that's important to do (laughs) let it reveal yeah and and all of those things are true but it's really good as a way clearer and road opener Mm. because you know black walnut trees won't allow anything well, they'll allow a few things to grow around them, but mostly they're like, uh-uh, this is my territory. You need to clear your ass off. Yeah. But that's what it's really good for. Wow. Mm-hmm. So that if you've got sense. a difficult obstacle that's in your path and you can't figure out how you're going to get around it or get over it or through it, black walnut is a good ally for that. Yeah. yeah. Love that. Yeah. And you use the um the husks. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that the the oil is this really rich, beautiful brown, yeah. which I think would also be really good as a kind of furniture polish. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And anti- anti-fungal. <laughs> and it's anti-fungal, yeah. yeah got, got athlete's foot or something. Mm-hmm. There, there was a recent, well, not a recent, maybe four or five years ago, a book about, you know, Southern Appalachian culture. And it started out with a little girl who was so wormy that worms were like coming out of her mouth and she was really, really sick. And I was like, black walnut. We yeah, have black that. walnut. So you write this thing, were they city people that didn't understand that walnuts will get rid of internal parasites? What the hell was wrong with them? Well, yeah. somebody who, who was like, oh, they were poor old Appalachian people. They couldn't have known anything about medicine. Well, hell yes, we did. And yeah. We did. yeah. Yeah. Such a rich heritage of using medicinal herbs and, and plants mm-hmm. from the land. Yeah. So uh, what's what's uh what's next for you, Byron? You're going to um Scotland. Scotland in March, and then you have a, a bunch of speaking things and you're yeah. writing anything else? Festivals and stuff. And I've got a new book coming out in mm-hmm. August from Llewellyn and it's uh, Simple Practical Magic. Uh, That's not actually the title because you know, the publisher picks out the titles for books. Yeah. Right. Let me look it up because I have some artwork that has the title on it. It's terrible. 
because I I don't remember the name of my own book. It's really embarrassing. Okay, it's called Small Magics, Practical Secrets from an Appalachian Village Witch. Oh, cool. Small and, Magics. And it came from all the, I mean, I'm a person who defends the TikTok witches a lot because we all did a bunch of crazy shit when we were trying to figure stuff out. Yeah. So I defend them in that sense when they like hex the moon and the face. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, we all did that, but we didn't have a million followers and we didn't right. videotape it. So, yeah. But I realized that so many people don't know how, they don't know the fundamentals of energy movement. Yeah. They don't know how to harvest energy and contain it and set an intention around it and move it forward, which is what magic is. They, they have to have all these right tools and they have to have a particular book that says a spell in a particular way when that's not what magic is at all. Magic is utilizing energies around you, wrapping your intention around them and through your will, sending them forth to do the work, which, mm -hmm. which a lot of people don't know anymore. Mm -hmm. They don't understand basics like grounding they don't understand how to get some shields around them or put up wards or or to use anything but their own life force to create change in the world around them which is incredibly unhealthy yeah so i i was having it was a discussion in social media and i've been doing a class called simple practical magic for about six or seven years i said oh my god do i need to turn this into a book because you people you don't you don't understand the basics of this yeah and, and my editor at Llewellyn sent me a private note like three hours later and she said yeah you probably need to do that so that'll be out in August and I cool. in September 1 the new book which I will tell you about as soon as I can is uh -huh. due so that'll come out in 24. Nice yeah yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, I'm in a collection of North American folk magic I have a piece in that cool so yeah, I'm busy, I'm writing. And as I said, in the beginning of May, when we have our enormous herb sale here, I'm gonna be repurchasing all the herbs that died yeah. this year from neglect. Yeah, well, it's hard when you're traveling to yeah. do balance a garden and- I still feel guilty though. I do. Yeah. It's okay. How do you kill whorehound? <laughs> yeah well it happens it happens for sure it happens. It happens. yeah so people can find you at um your website is at best place myvillagewitch.com yeah that's a place to start we're getting ready to redo the website but oh, that yes. happened for another few months or they can find me on social media under byron ballard i'm on facebook uh instagram i'm still on twitter for now nice, nice yeah I, you know, I just follow a bunch of art historians and herbalists, and so Twitter is still lovely for me. It's never been a minefield. Yeah, good. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you for being on the show again. <clears throat> Excited to talk to you. Hopefully, when your new book comes out yes. about uh, the fundamentals of magic, which I think is very important. But why don't you go ahead and stop the recording and? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you all. Wow. So much.